You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. You're the God who saves me 
Psalm 88 song that the creative suite put together for us, and it is accurate to Psalm 88 except for that last phrase. They just couldn't stand it, like most of us couldn't. I really struggled with the sermon because I wanted to add in hope at the end, but the psalmist never does in Psalm 88. We'll talk about that more in a minute. (laughs) What a psalm to pick for 4th of July, right? Woo! I saw fireworks last night. Did you all? Anybody? Great fireworks show. And, uh, you know, in America where we celebrate being able to overcome anything and keeping a positive attitude no matter what's going on. Well, I don't know. Have you read some of the letters, some of the stories from 1770 to July 4, 1776? There were a lot of laments. There was a lot of whining, a lot of complaining, a lot of wondering if life would ever get any better. I wonder if lamenting is a birth pain for new life in many ways, many times. So uh, Timothy Tennant, sorry, in Seedbed gave this definition between lament and despair because a third of the Psalms have lament in them. And there is a a set of psalms, a a series of them that are all laments, all right? And here's his definition. Lament and sorrow, or lament and despair, they both express deep sorrow and grief. The difference is the journey of lament is hope. The destination is hope. And the destination of despair is the cynicism that goes down into deep, dark places, and I hope you don't know what I mean, but I think a lot of you do. A lot of us do. uh, So Psalm 27, the last two verses, is a psalm that I memorized not out of an intent to memorize it, but it has my tear stains on it. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living while I'm still alive. And that's kind of the theme of this morning. So I'm going to talk pretty bluntly about lament during this sermon, all right? And I am concerned for those of you who are in despair. I just want to say this up front. If you are in despair, if you are actually picturing and planning out how to end your life, get help. Please. You can see any of our pastors, Bob, Jim, Jason, Jake, they all have resources to help. If you are in that place, use the body to get back to lament out of despair. Make sense? Okay. Well, the first time I remember lamenting, and I probably have to be honest and say, the reason I can talk about despair is because that is a natural 
generational thing in my life that I've had to work really hard to overcome to get to where I can lament. But the first I remember is the multiplication tables. Oh, God, why do I have to memorize the multiplication tables? I'll never get the multiplication tables memorized. Please, there's no reason to know this stupid stuff. And I, I, if my memory serves me correctly, I went to my parents multiple times over weeks, and they would listen patiently, nod their head, pat me on the head, and send me back in to work on my multiplication tables. You, your parents, you, you know what? Hey, raise your hand if you were there on the multiplication tables, right? That's a lament. For some of us, it was despair, Right? Well, uh, it, you know, Jesus is this incredible parent who can take it. Uh, and he, many of us don't have a healthy model of a parent who can take it. We, we only know of parents who blow up and do unhealthy things to us if we express anything less than what they want. But that's not God. And I wonder if perhaps he gave us these psalms of lament to just teach us maybe what our parents didn't. And that is, it is okay to lament to God. He can take it. Uh, I love J.D. Walt in uh, June 22nd on the seedbed. He wrote, God can handle the full brunt of our emotional volatility. In fact, I believe God welcomes it. Are you disappointed with God? Don't hold back. You know, to the extent that you hold back, chances are your inner angst will be visited either on some undeserving soul around you or deep, deep down in yourself. And when I read that, I kind of winced because part of my history is going and lamenting and despairing to my wife. And I came to realize that that, what I started calling that was vomiting on my wife. Because that's a disgusting picture, right? Well, I realized that's what my words do. I would go away feeling catharsis, right? I feel better because I've got it all out. But I dragged her down. So here's what the Psalms teach us. There is a really cool way to do both. To get it all out to someone who does not get dragged down God and I don't know how you were created to lament to God for me personally I I finally figured out when I'm feeling that just gotta get it out if I go sit at my computer and I just type I start typing as fast as I can I type every thought that comes and it's it's about this fast and and, and, I mean you know replace keyboards uh, and, and and keep going but pretty soon it slows down and it's out. I'm better. God's still okay, not wounded at all, and it's out. I don't know. Do you need to go to the woods and scream out loud? Do you need to climb to the top of a ship during a big storm and yell at God? I don't know. Go underwater and kick and scream, build something and destroy it, slap art? I don't know how you were created to lament, but do it. Figure it out, because that's what the Psalms teach us. We picked Psalm 88 because it is the best example. Actually, in the, the song that the creative team did, they ended it with hope. They just couldn't stand to end where Psalm 88 ends. Psalm 88 actually has no hope in it. It's the only one. It's the best representation of a lament we could pick. All the other laments end with something like, but I know you'll take care of it, God. Not Psalm 88. 
Psalm 88 ends with, they have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me all together. You have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. And, and we also desperately want to put the hope on that psalm, but the psalmist doesn't. So, here's some interesting words from some scholars. This is a doleful ditty. No kidding. Beginning and ending with complaints, this psalm was used by people when in early Roman Catholic days they would get excommunicated. This psalm was what they were forced to say publicly to show that they were excommunicated. Some people wonder if this is the psalm that Jesus was mulling over in the Garden of Gethsemane. Or it, it talks about being in a pit and, and sometimes during the crucifixion torture phases he was moved from building to building. And they wonder if Psalm 88 was the one that was kind of on his mind. So two of my favorite scholars, here's what they had to say about Psalm 88. Jason Leininger. The only ray of hope in Psalm 88 is that the psalmist is still talking to God and being very honest, right? And Bob Cassidy, I had to work him in somehow. In his worst moments, the psalmist still believes that God exists. That's, that's the only hope in this psalm. It's implied, it is not expressed. All right, so here's my attempt at, at scholarship, all right? So Psalm 88 has the poetic structure of A, B, A, a chiasm. I love that word. And here is, so A, uh, what this poetic structure does is puts emphasis on A. And here's A. Verse 1, God, the only God who could save me, hey, I've been crying out to you for 24-7. Hello? Anybody up there? Because my life stinks. My wife made sure I edited which word I used there. Verse 2 through 9, that's all he talks about. My life stinks. I am not enjoying this. It's not fair. And then he switches in B to negotiation mode. I love this little, read it, it's kind of funny. Hey, uh, God, in case you didn't know, a dead person can't praise you or tell anybody about you. So if you want me to praise you and tell anybody about you, and then he goes back into A, which verse, uh, verse 13 sounds a lot like verse 1. It's kind of the same thing. Hello, I'm calling out to you, my only hope. Hello. And in case you didn't get it the first time, Lord, I'm going to just reiterate, my life stinks. The end. Okay, I know I'm being a little flippant. Have you ever been to that place where you've either got to laugh or cry so you crack jokes? Morbid humor, we call it. Ah, I think that's appropriate in laments too. So here we go. I'm going to dig into some of those key verses. Key word pictures that he gives in Psalm 88. They're painful pictures that I think you can relate to. All right. So verse 3, he says... For my soul has had enough troubles. And that word for enough is the feeling that you have in your gut after, at the end of a big feast where you can't take another bite or you'll bust. Think of Thanksgiving feasts, right? And that's what he's saying. I've, I've had it. So can you think of a time when you've had so many troubles and pressures that you just thought you would bust? 
it is okay, even healthy, to lament to Jesus. And my life is drawn near to Sheol. we're, We're kind of familiar with that phrase. Oh, just kill me now. Or, or how about, have you ever found yourself at a time in life, Lord, couldn't you just do the rapture right now so I don't have to do that test tomorrow or whatever the meeting that's coming? Say it with me. It is okay, even healthy, to lament to Jesus. Verse 4, I have become like a man without strength, kind of a, a mere shadow of my former self. Picture the World War II pictures you've seen of prisoners of war being liberated and they look like skeletons with a little bit of skin on them. Can you think of a time when you kind of could relate to feeling like a skeleton with a little bit of skin? It is okay, even healthy, to lament to Jesus. Verse 5, like the slain who are in the grave. That's a picture after a battle, they dig a, a big pit and throw all the dead bodies into it. Only in that time, it was pretty common for people who were not quite dead to be thrown into that pit. But I'm not dead yet. Oh, you said, wait, I shouldn't go there. Sorry. <clears throat> Yeah. Can you think of a time when you, you were barely alive? You just felt barely alive, almost like you were surrounded, being dragged down. It is okay, even healthy, to lament to Jesus. Ooh, verse 8 and 9, he goes into a picture of a leper colony, right? And think of, think of somebody, if you were around in the 80s when AIDS came out, I mean, if somebody got AIDS, nobody would touch them. Today, it's Ebola. If, somebody, if we found out somebody had Ebola, we wouldn't be taking casseroles to their house. We'd be staying as far away as possible. Can you think of a time when you felt like a complete outcast? It is okay, even healthy, to lament to Jesus, however you need to lament. Ah, verse 17, they have surrounded me like water all day long, all my problems. We're familiar with that phrase. I feel like I'm drowning. Can you think of a time? Maybe even told people around you, I'm just barely able to come up for air. Sometimes. Well, it's okay. Even healthy to lament to Jesus. Verse 8 and 18, he repeats this word picture twice. It's the only one repeated twice in this psalm. So it's really putting emphasis. Maybe this is the absolute worst. All the other stuff is bad, but this is the worst. Lord, my friends, the people who love me, have abandoned me. It doesn't get any worse. Can you think of a time when you felt 
completely abandoned, maybe even by God. We talked about the dark night of the soul. It is okay, even healthy, to lament to Jesus. As I was thinking about this sermon and how in the world do we talk about this? I heard a a sermon from a man in our body who gave a great example of what a lament looks like. This is coming from the perspective of trying to get over an addiction and having slipped again. I fell on the floor and I cried out to God, angry, angry, mad, cussing. Why won't you help me? I want to quit. I'm trying to be a father. I love my mom. I can't stop. And I'm yelling and I'm cussing. And I said, I've been praying to you. What are you doing? So one of the reasons I think we need to learn to lament well is lamenting is an element of grieving. And uh, grieving and lamenting are, are kind of things that if you don't know how to do them well, you can get stuck. And you don't want to get stuck. You want to go through it. So here is uh, kind of a, a picture I'll give you. Yeah, I'm a backpacker, and there is a little trick of the trade that old backpackers know that enable them to out-backpack young, strapping, healthy backpackers. I share this with you at a little bit of risk of losing that edge, but I'm going to share it anyway. All right? <clears throat> so the rest step. Normal backpacking, you know, it kind of looks like this. You're just kind of cruising along. Well, wily backpackers know that when you come to an incline, you need to shift to the rest step. And the steeper the incline, the longer the incline, you really need to go into rest step mode. So let me show you, I'll just do real quickly. Here's rest step. You know, normal tread is this. Rest step is an exaggerated, <sighs> plant the stick, step up, lock the knee, Step up, lock the knee, and it's that way all the way. You get into a rhythm of it. Well, that's the sound, don't you know, that's the sound. You know, you kind of get a little song going in your head. I've taken really out-of-shape people in a backpacking trip who were just being blown away by the group, and when we came to a big hill, I get back with them, I do the rest step and we pass the group. Because what they do is they blast up, they <laughs> stop halfway. They blast up, <laughs> they stop three quarters of the way. But if you know the rest step, you can go the whole way through the hardest hill you've ever encountered. I think, I, I kind of picture grieving and lamenting that way. If you, you just kind of give yourself permission to learn to grieve and lament well, and you, you kind of be on the lookout. Oh, this is a lamenting situation in life. And here, I've come to believe that anytime there is a change from the way things were or the way I, things wanted, I wanted things to be, I need to grieve the loss of the way things were or the way I wanted things to be. Even, you know, sometimes it's little, it doesn't take long, but sometimes it's big and it takes 
I don't know how long. It's different for every person. It's different for every event, right? When my family found out that we were going to leave Discovery Ministries in 2011, it was an exciting announcement. We were moving towards something good that we wanted to do, but this morose kind of atmosphere settled in our family, and Colette and I couldn't figure out what in the world is going on. And we were praying about it, and the word grieving came to mind, and we went and researched grieving and realized, oh, all of us are grieving. And there were some laments in our house. Even though we were moving to something good, we had to lament the loss of our deep friendships that we were leaving, the loss of the wonderful stories we had from that place. And so we went, we sat down with our family at a meal, and we, we explained what grieving is to the girls and that it looks different for, all, uh, for different people. Some people say there are three stages. Some people say there are five or seven. They all agree that they happen in different orders for different people at different times and take different times. It's a mess. And we've got to give each other space and permission to do it, including ourselves. And we did. My family kind of practiced and, and with, with grieving over that time and, and talked about it a lot. And it was a good thing because we had lots of opportunity over the next four years to really practice lamenting and grieving. Jake said that uh, as we were talking about this, he, he read in a book a couple months ago that it can be helpful to sit down and think about all the events that have happened in your life that are kind of grieving events that you never grieved and he said he found a lot of freedom just by sitting down and thinking through that and writing them out and kind of giving himself permission. Oh yeah, that was a loss. I now recognize that was a loss. Hmm. Well, as the band comes up, I hope you realize from this sermon from a psalm that has no resolve, that the more you give yourself permission to lament and grieve, the better able you are to move through whatever hard times you're going through to your new normal. Our Stevens ministers, it's a great ministry. They, they can help you, they can listen well. You can contact Jim Mason if you kind of find yourself stuck in a lament. Or even that could be part of, oh, you're at the bottom of the hill and you realize, oh, there's a lament grieving time come. Man, it really helps me to have a Stevens minister. I'm going to go get one. I think they'd be happy to do that. Because we support lamenting and grieving in this church, folks. Because as the Psalms teach us, it is okay, even healthy, to lament to Jesus. Thank you.